Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sari Ibrahim. With us today, I have a special guest, an awesome guest. His name is Dr. Connor Robinson. He's a podcast host, host of The Prospecting Show, organic growth specialist, accredited investor, and B2B business marketing specialist. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. We're going to talk some uh, cool finance today, so looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Before we jump into all the, the cool parts, the technical parts, tell us more about your background and how you got into this specific niche. Yeah. So a couple of different things, right? Number one is I spent a lot of time um, as a chiropractor, right? That's what I went to school for is to become a chiropractor, um, learn how to treat people. That was a, a fun journey. But the, the limitation there is like any healthcare profession, right? Ultimately, what, what the problem is, is that you trade time for dollars and then uh, you can't scale it as well because you know, you got to have a license to practice, right? And so just like financial services, you have to have a license. It's very hard to delegate that service. And chiropractic as a whole is only 60,000 people, right? It's not that big of a profession. So it's very, very hard to delegate. So um, the one of the reasons that I left that and to go into the consulting world is because I wanted to be able to have that time leverage, right? Hire the right people, work with the right partners, not have to go drive, you know, 45 minutes to work each day. And so we, basically that's what we do today, right? We consult people um, in the healthcare space. We consult people in the B2B business development space. We do some investing ourselves, right? We take the profits from the company and buy real estate. And then as we were talking about some life insurance uh, products. And so really we're just trying to build wealth long-term and help people take their B2B businesses and, and scale them. So that's a little background on me. Awesome. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And I love how you mentioned that like limitation. I think it's the same with like physicians and other healthcare professionals. Like you could only see so many patients, so many clients in a day until you're capped off for your day. It's really hard for you to kind of duplicate yourself and have like the wheels in motion without you being there in these types of fields, which you know brings up like consulting and, and investing in different places. Um, and the name of your company is Syntax, right? Correct. Yeah, we got Sports and Healthcare Solutions, which is the healthcare consulting company. Then we got Syntax, which is the business development company as a whole. Um, we actually have a new company, Pure Vita Holdings, and that company is our real estate holding company now. I'm doing that with a couple partners to, to buy more you know, deals over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of our clients actually is, is our partner. So shout out uh, to Brett Watts of Patient Rhino. He uh, co-owns a new company called Pure Vita Holdings with us. And that is our real estate holding company for Charlotte, North Carolina. We're looking to do 10 deals next year there, all single family, Airbnb style uh, properties. And uh, that's one of the places we park the cash. So that that's our up and coming focus. Awesome. And then doing that, does that help you like with tax advantages at all? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the biggest reason we're doing it, right? So there's, I think a lot of people do Airbnb because they want the cash flow. You hear a lot of these guys about Airbnb arbitrage, right? And so for those of you who are not, not familiar with that, Airbnb arbitrage, basically you lease an apartment or you lease a, uh, a place to live and then you turn around and Airbnb that. So you don't actually own the asset. Mm -hmm. You're just paying a lease and then someone's paying you cash and then you're keeping the difference, that, that arbitrage. The problem with that model, it's great for a lot of people who don't have a bunch of money because you just have to come up with 1500 bucks a month or 2000 a month. Yeah you don't own anything at the end, right? There's, there's nothing that you can sell. There's no actual real estate and you get no depreciation. So our strategy is let's buy actual homes, $400,000 and less. 400 is kind of the cap because if you get too luxury when the market's upside down, it gets kind of scary. So $400,000 or less, probably 250 to 400. And then you own the asset. 
you get the depreciation, right? And, and until I think 2028, there's bonus depreciation available, right? Mm-hmm. Which is 30% of the purchase price of the property minus the land, right? So on a $400,000 house, let's say there's 300,000 for the pro- um, for the, the actual property and 100,000 for the land. So you'd get 30% of the 300,000, which is a $100,000 deduction in year one, but you've only spent 30 to 40 to 50 grand to get the property, right? So that's like a big tax arbitrage that most people don't get. So yes, to answer your question in a long way, uh, the reason we do those deals is number one, cash flow. Number two, we want someone depositing money into that house every month and paying down the mortgage. So we get the equity play, but also 30% you know, deduction in year one, which is a very big deal for us. Yeah, that is a big deal. And I love how you keep using the word arbitrage. You know, that's one of my favorite financial terms. It pretty, you know, what is what does that mean, arbitrage? Yeah. I mean, our, the way that we look at arbitrage is like, it, there's a fixed point in some business model that you can control that variable. And then if you can go above and beyond that variable, you're going to be able to keep that spread, right? So if you have a thousand dollars a month that you got to pay on for the mortgage, but you can rent it for 2000. Now that arbitrage is two minus one, you keep that spread. And, and the goal here is put as little money in as possible to get the maximum back out while mitigating your downside risk, which is why I like real estate, because at the end of the day, worst case scenario, let's say you get no renters in your Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. You pay the, let's say a $2,500 mortgage. Well, that $2,500 just went from your checking account into the equity of the property. So you never really lost, right? All that you did was you just transferred the wealth from cash into into equity and you're not really down. I wouldn't recommend doing that forever because now you just have an expense. It's a liability, not an asset, Mm -hmm. but you're still building wealth in that in the property. So that's how we look at the arbitrage. Love it. Uh, now let's shift gears like on a day-to-day basis. Like, so you, how do you on a day-to-day basis help business owners grow their businesses? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to consulting, right? At the end of the day, people are really struggling with growing their businesses. And the number one reason that they struggle with growing their businesses is because they don't actually have a method to get new customers, right? So we spend a lot of time on offer creation. What's your offer? How do you sell it? How do you get out of a commodity sale? How do you position yourself differently? And then how do you do outbound marketing, right? LinkedIn, email, text, voicemail, whatever those channels are. How do you do more and more outbound marketing so that people are going to take calls with you? Our whole uh, kind of funny side saying is we hate ads. There's nothing wrong with ads, but we just aren't good at it. And we just don't find them to be very profitable. So our whole business model is how can we get customers without running paid ads? Okay, perfect. And then how do you do that? How can you like generate leads without really paying for ads? Yeah. So we specialize in a couple of different things. Um, one of them, the, one of the newer things that we're doing is Facebook group growth. You'll notice we have groups called Organic Outbound Secrets. If you want to join that, it's facebook.com slash group slash Organic Outbound Secrets. Basically, it's free content in there where we post like ways that you can grow your business without ads, right? So things like running cold email, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to run ads running LinkedIn automation. You don't have to run ads, right? Mm-hmm. Running um, referral partners. You don't have to run ads. Mm-hmm. Running Facebook organic and messaging people. You don't have to run ads, right? So there's lots of ways that you can generate customers without ads, mm-hmm. but it has to be B2B. This does not really apply in the business to consumer space. This is more of a B2B play. Mm-hmm. And if you are in the B2C space, there are lots of people who can help you, but you're probably going to end up running ads. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's kind of different ways other than ads. Uh, more of a direct direct response market. Everything's direct response. Exactly. One of the things we've learned with most small businesses do not have a budget to 
advertise. Yes. They have a budget to get customers. And so when you're a small business, let's call that under $5 million, mm-hmm. you're not doing brand, right? I know, I know there's people who talk about personal brand and your Instagram brand all day, and that stuff's all cool, but I'm talking like real, like Coca-Cola can run a million dollars a month in paid traffic on TV and get zero ROI because they're just doing brand. They're just putting yes. it out there. Yeah. You and I cannot do that. We do not have that kind of budget, right? So what we have to do is direct response. Hey, I solved this problem using this technique. Are you interested? Some people say yes. Some people say no. The people who say yes, you take them to a call. You find the fit, right? What's their problem? What's your solution? You make them an offer. They say yes or no. They sign up. You make money, right? That's basically the way that the the direct response world works. I just tell people, make sure your offer is good because we can't make a good, a, a bad offer better just by doing more marketing. We actually have to change the offer, change the thing that you have so that it's a more relevant offer for your audience. Yeah, definitely. That's my next question. So like, do you guys help with actual content creation? So there's a couple different parts of that, right? So content comes in multiple forms. One of the things that people ask for is like, hey, you guys got some cool video content on your Facebook group and YouTube. Do we deliver video content as a service? No, but our whole thing is copywriting and positioning. So if someone comes to us and works with us, let's say in our implement and release program, that's four things, LinkedIn, email, text, and voicemail. Those are the four channels we work on. We will craft the offer. We will fix their LinkedIn profile. We will write the copy. We will send the messages outbound. We'll make sure the follow-ups all automated. So we will work on the offer and the copy, but we don't do actual video content for our clients. That's not our specialty. They can they can use our, our guy avatar. He's on our team full-time. He'll edit content, video content, YouTube content, stuff like that for our clients. But our business model is not in the, let's make video content for people. That's not what we do. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, words are key and words are, you know, the, the primary thing that could drive um, leads and, and other forms of marketing is just the words that are used. So I love that. Um, now I've, I heard you talking on a, a couple other podcasts about like coaching and it seems like you're a, like an advocate of coaching. So what has your experience been with coaching? Yeah, I think that coaching, the biggest thing about coaching is you can, you can learn to do things a lot faster if you have somebody who's already done it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing with coaching. So basically what you're paying for is to, to shortcut your time, right? You're basically trading money back for time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go to work every day and trade their own time to capture money. Mm-hmm. But coaching is you trade your money to buy back time. Because if I come to you and I say, listen, like, I don't know anything about financial services. Yeah. I want to learn. I can cut my learning curve. I can take your 10, 15, 20 years of experience mm-hmm. and install it into my brain in probably three to six months. And I can pay for that to happen by getting a coach, right? Or getting a consultant that can show me how to do it. Most people are just like, ah, I want to learn it myself. Why would you not pay somebody who's already done what you're doing yes. or what you want to do to cut that learning curve? Same with Airbnb. For us, it's like, I don't want to become an Airbnb expert. Yeah. I want to pay people who know what they're doing to tell me what to do. Yeah. And I'll just follow the blueprint. And if it's yes. wrong, which it will be at some time, we'll figure it out then, right? But I'm not going to try to come up with a whole new method on how to do Airbnb. I'm just going to follow the proven template that other people are doing. So, so that's what coaching is. You're spending money to get your time back. So instead of taking a year to learn something, you take 12 weeks to learn something. And would you say that like coaching has like been like what some of your best ROIs that you've seen like in, in investing? So a couple, a couple things on big ROIs. Number one, the podcast, right? Having a podcast where people are able to tell you what they, what they do, how they do it, their skill set. that's been a huge benefit. It's not really a, just a financial ROI. It's yeah. like a relationship ROI, right? You yeah. get a lot of opportunities there. Um, coaching and consulting from other people telling us what to do has definitely been a big factor. And then I think also learning from exposure, right? We've yeah. had a lot of business experience on like, hey, we did X and we screwed up. 
right? And it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to learn really quick. So I think, you know, having those getting kicked in the teeth type situations is probably the best learning experience. Not, it's not fun, but it allows us to learn really, really quickly. So I think th that in coaching together have really, you know, saved our butt time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like how you said like failures, it's okay. Like you learn from it, you bounce back from it. What's, what's, what are your thoughts on failure? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things that, that people underestimate on the failure side. It's like, sometimes you don't even know you're failing, right? Like that, that's the one thing that's very interesting is like, we've had times where I'm like, Oh, I think we're doing okay. And then I look back and I'm like, man, that we actually weren't doing that proper. That, that would, that was a failure, but I didn't know it was a failure until later. And that's, you know, for some people, I think they look at that and go, well, how do you know it's a failure? Well, could it be better? Could it be worse? Or should it be the same? Right. And, and if it could be better, it's a failure, right? Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to bankrupt your company for it to be a failure. You don't have to lose all your money in the stock market for a failure. You yes. don't have to have a cryptocurrency go to zero yeah. on, on, on some kind of like altcoin, right. For it to be a uh, <laughs> failure, right. You can, you can jump into something, realize this isn't for me and back out. Like one of the biggest failures I tell people about all the time is spending money to go to school, right. I spent a quarter million dollars to go to chiropractic school it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't like, I mean, yeah, I got the doctorate. I got the two letters. I did, yeah. became board certified. I did a lot of things. I learned a lot of cool things. Yeah. Is it worth quarter million dollars? Probably not. Right. <laughs> if I, if I took a quarter million and put it in the market at 8%, I could never work for the rest of my life and be fine. Right. It's like that, that would be a good ROI. I yeah. negative ROI in chiropractic, yeah. right. There's nothing wrong with the profession. I don't want anyone who's listening to this be like, Hey, this guy's crapping on chiropractic. I'm not, I'm just saying the investment level at a quarter million dollars to do that doesn't lend to a great ROI. And I just don't think education in the traditional schooling system today is really needed. I just, yeah. I just don't see it as needed. You can learn from people without having to go to school for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think there's more valuable content just on podcasts and YouTube videos and books than there are in universities and, you know, uh, traditional, traditional degrees. So yeah, definitely. I agree. For sure. Now, Khan, I want to go back to um, talking about like money and financial services, financial planning. So sure, you use life insurance, right? Like cash value life insurance. Do you mind sharing with us like why you use this type of vehicle and, and how, kind of how you're using yeah. it? I, I think there's a, like this ongoing war, right? Depending on how deep people go into, into the investment world, like there's this war on permanent life insurance, right? And for those of the people that don't, don't know about that, right? Whole life, IUL, those are kind of yeah. like the two competing things. Um, right now, the way I see it is like, just pick your poison, right? The fact that you have an insurance policy yeah. that has cash value um, is the most important thing, whether you do whole life or you do IUL or like that, that doesn't matter, right? To me, what matters is that you do something, right? You, you take money that you're making and you deploy it into something that grows. I personally like the section 162 executive bonus design because uh -huh. you can have a corporation um, that funds it. And if you do the double bonus design, right, where the corporation both gives you the policy and pays the tax for you. Yeah. Now on the personal side, it's great. And it, ha it really helps to be the guy who controls both of those, right? If you're the employee and the corporation, because now you can basically self-fund an IUL or a whole life policy, doesn't matter what the carrier is and what the policy is, but basically you can fund it. And then ultimately you can just grow, 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 because you've used, uh, basically post-tax money because you've yes. already paid the tax day. It's growing tax-free. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't know this today, but like an IU or a, um, a Roth, a Roth IRA, you know, it has limited exposure, right? Yeah. You know, $6,000 contribution, can't touch it till 59 and a half. Um, there's some catch-up years, but if you make over 136, maybe 138, whatever the number is now, yeah. you can't contribute or you have yeah. a phased out contribution. So it's like, hey, if you want to put 60 grand into a Roth, 
you can't, <laughs> you can't do it, right? You can't do it in a Roth IRA. So you know, then you start looking at things like 401ks and it's like, okay, well, a 401k could be a good option, but what if you need the money tomorrow? You can't access it again, right? It becomes illiquid. So I think the benefit of the life insurance policy, number one, you get the death benefit, right? That's a small portion of it, but you get liquidity that you otherwise wouldn't get in other policies. And I think that's honestly underrated for people because they're like, well, why don't need the money if it's for retirement? It's like, listen, dude, what if you get a great opportunity and you want to pull out $35,000 in cash right, you know, in the next two days to yeah. do a deal? Yes. That makes sense to me, right? That 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 is is something that you can do. Um, not a lot of people look at it that way, but the way we design all of our policies or the ways we have so far is very little uh, death coverage, yes. right? Very yes. high cash value, like almost 95% cash value. Um, we're looking at a policy... Uh, last year, actually, it was $60,000 a year and only 4,700 of that was insurance. Okay. Right? So you look at how slanted that policy is on $60,000, 50, it's almost $56,000 of that is pure cash. Yes. The other sub five was insurance. And you look at that and you go like, man, just because I wrapped cash with insurance together, now it's like I got an unlimited Roth IRA. I can just go, 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 go. And mm -hmm. the company's going to pay the tax on it. So when it grows, it's tax-free. It's like, you know, it doesn't get better than that if you ask me. You know what I mean? That's the best best case scenario. Uh, yeah, and you can even go a step further. The asset protection is typically, it's an exempt asset typically protected from different, you know, from creditors and different risks like that. It's not affected by the stock market. So if the stock market crashes, the policy cash value is not going to be affected by that. Yep. You don't have to qualify for a loan. It's not like you have yep. to be approved. It's guaranteed approved as long as you have cash value. Yep. Typically up to 90% of that you could take out. Yep. You pay that loan back whenever you want. Yep. So yeah, I, I think it should be, um, you know, that's why we did this podcast to talk about. And, and it's optional too. That's the word. That's the best part about the loan, the loan policy, yeah. their optional payback, right? If you have an $800,000 life insurance policy, I mean, it's called a million bucks and you want to, and, and your cash value is building, you borrow 80% or 90% of the cash value. Let's say it's a hundred grand. Well, if you just don't pay it back now, your life insurance policy just goes down by that hundred thousand dollars. So it's like, Hey, that's, that's the future use problem, right? Like that, that's not a today's problem. So you can have the the living benefit, if you would, that the, the today's cash work for you to build real wealth. And like the arbitrage again, right. That you're doing is you're arbitraging today's benefit for tomorrow's potentially reduced benefit, right? I borrow a hundred thousand from myself in the policy to use today to do three real estate deals. Well, do I really care in 50 years if I'm down $100,000 on a life insurance policy? Probably not because now I have three more homes that I own in the next 20, 30, 40 years, right? That I can liquidate there too. So it's a win, win, win. Yeah. And you're taking 100,000 from the future and that future is probably going to be $5 million death benefit. So you're taking a smaller portion from something much larger in the future. You know? Exactly. And, and I think the other thing too is like, the tax deferral strategy associated with it is super strong too, because like, you know, if you can do a double bonus design, you can get the corporation to pay for it. It's, it's the best of both worlds. It's like a Roth, but unlimited, yeah. but it's yeah. kind of like a 401k because you're deducting it from the business and it's liquid and you can loan it to yourself. So you don't, like you said, you don't have to get approval from the bank and you can also just use it whenever you want, which is, you know, super flexible. Now, I think there's trade-offs. One, one caveat to, you know, the thing people have to remember is if you do a policy, that gives you access to your money right away, you are paying for that somehow, right? You are paying for that in your premium or whatever. The way I have done our policies in the past is no accessibility for the first year. And for us, it's reduced our cost of insurance a little bit because you know the insurance company is going to get our money and they can invest and do whatever they want. But I don't need the money tomorrow. I have a business that can cash flow money. Yeah. So if I need money, I know what's coming every single month. Some people, they're like, let's put money into the insurance policy and take it right back out. 
that's fine from a strategy standpoint, but remember you are paying for that quick access to cash costs money, longer access to cash costs less money. Right. So it's like, you got to decide what, what you want. Do you want the death benefit? Do you want quick access to cash? Do you want liquidity? Do you not want to have to go to the bank for a loan? Like what is your goal? And then set up the policy around your situation. Right. So I think that's really important that people understand that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. That makes a lot of sense that the, the distinction between using money now and using it in the future and the, and the cost of doing that. Um, now, Connor, you obviously I could tell that, like, you know, you're really, really motivated. You're super on top of things like business wise. Like what are some things you do to stay motivated? What are some of your habits? Yeah, I think having financial goals is kind of a big thing, right? We have, we have both uh, actual direct financial goals and indirect financial goals, right? So an example of a direct goal is, hey, we want to make X dollars per month right now, or I want to have X dollars in profit or revenue per month or per week or per year. Those are the direct financial goals. The indirect financial goals are, hey, let's make sure we have 100 homes in the next 10 years that we own, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a direct financial goal, but we know that the assets being built we have leverage, we can borrow against it. It's a physical good. Like those are indirect financial goals. So I, same with the, the life insurance policy, right? That's a indirect financial goal because it's not making money today, but it's one of those things like I can access it. I get flexibility. So I, I like to have goals that are bigger than what we could possibly hit, right? Everything's got to be a bigger goal than what you currently have. Yes. And then just go after it and try to hit it. I think numbers are very easy to measure for the most part. And if you set financial goals, it just makes it a little bit more of a game. Um, I see business and consulting and everything we do as it's a game. It's like monopoly, right? We're trying to build wealth over time. They're just trying to do it strategically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love this, you know, so, so how can listeners reach out to you and learn more about you? Yeah. So if if people are like, you know, again, if you're a B2B service-based business and you're somebody who's like, Hey, I want to grow, I don't have a budget for ads. You you sell something again, B2B service-based, not products, not consumer goods, none of that. Um, You can check out syntax.com. That's S-Y-N-T-A-C-Z.com. Or you can join our Facebook group and and see our content. That's facebook.com slash groups slash organic outbound secrets with an S on the end of it. Those are two places you can check it out. All the contents there for free. There's nothing to sell. There's about 3000 people in that group. Everyone's a B2B service-based business marketing agencies, financial services, CPAs, accountants, those kind of people. Mm-hmm. So come, you know, come hang out with the crew that's trying to build wealth long-term, right? All those people in there are super money motivated and super business motivated. So come hang out and, and have a good day. Awesome, Connor. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm looking forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you so much, Sari. Have a great day. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, asset protection. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.